0: Today we are concluding our series, "Unshakable Mission. And so for the past month, we've been talking about that that God has a mission for His people, for the church, for those of us who are followers of Christ. And so we are are concluding that message today. We're going to be looking uh, today in John chapter 6. So if you have your Bible and you want to turn there, uh, we're going to be looking at John chapter 6. We'll probably end up starting in verse number 2 in just a few moments, but while you're turning there, I, I want to tell, I want to, I want to share this story. It's, I love this story. I've told it before, so if you remember it, just act like you've not heard it, and uh, and then just enjoy it. So I, this is, I thought it fit in well here. Uh, but there was a uh, a family that were from up in the mountains. Very rarely did they ever go to town or to the city, and so the dad decided he wanted to take his family on vacation to the big city. And so they went. and They were going to stay in a hotel. And so he parked his car, he got out, went into the, uh, into the lobby, went to the desk, his family was in the car, his son came in, they were starting to get some luggage, and uh, the, the person behind the counter told them where their room was, said, you just need to go to the bank of elevators, and you're going to go up to the seventh floor. And so he's like, well, where are the elevators? So they, she took him over there, and he stood there. Now what she didn't know is he had never been on an elevator before. And so he just sort of standing there, and his son's looking at it, and the door opens up. And uh, this old lady gets on, and she turns around, and she's, you know, she's looking at him. She smiles, and the door shuts, and the guy's like, what are they doing? So about a minute later, the door opened back up, and this beautiful lady walked off of the elevator. And uh, the father turned to his son and said, go get your mother. <laughs> now, uh, you know, there are, uh, there's a whole lot of, Sri Lankans. Really a lot of people, they're always looking for something just a little bit more in life. And so sometimes we find we find those things that bring satisfaction. But I think there's a whole lot of people we just sort of go through life. We're always looking for that next thing. Uh, we're looking for that next thing that maybe is going to make us feel better. That's going to you know just sort of fill up our lives. And I, I think one of the huge, or one of the biggest challenges that people have, especially as believers, is, is finding that which which truly satisfies and fills up our lives. And so today we are concluding our series, "Unshakable Mission. And we've been talking about how, how God has given the church a mission. We, we talked before about the unshakable gospel, the good news of Jesus, that Jesus came and he lived and he died, and he rose from the grave, that we might be able to be reconciled to him. And we have a mission as a church to share that incredible message, because it is a message that will fill and satisfy and nourish people. And yet there are so many people who cannot find that which satisfies. And I really think that the major reason why is because we're looking in the wrong places. And so today in our passage of Scripture, we're going to see Jesus sharing with a multitude of people that He was the one who could fulfill their desires, the people's desires. He was the one who can actually bring satisfaction into people's lives. And that's still true today. Now, when we look in John chapter 6, you're going to be very familiar with this story. It is a story of whenever Jesus fed the 5,000 people. And so that's what John chapter 6 is all about. But before we look at it, I just want to give you a, a little bit of background information let you let you know what, what kind of was going on before all of this happened. Now, as the, as the disciples have come back to Jesus, and, and this, this story is getting ready to start, the disciples earlier had been sent on a mission by Jesus to go out into the community and really to share good news. And so, the, so they go out to the community and, and, and God has imbued them with power to actually touch and heal people. And so the, as you can imagine, they come back, I mean they're man, they are fired up. I mean, God has been working in them, uh, they, they see the power of God at work, so they're all all jacked up, and then here's Jesus. And here's what Jesus has been going through. His cousin, John the Baptist, had just been executed. And so, while his disciples are up here, Jesus is down here, he's mourning. And, and he wants to get away in order to be able to recover, to, to grieve, but he can't get away Because there's this huge crowd of people that are coming to him in order to have their needs met. In order to find satisfaction in life. And because of who Jesus is, he provides it. And I want you to know that Jesus today, he still does the same thing. He will satisfy the desires that you have in your life. And I want to share with you a few reasons why Jesus brings satisfaction even to this day. The very first reason, as we look into our text, on why Jesus will bring satisfaction into your life is this. It's because there is no problem that is too big for him to solve. Jesus can satisfy you because there is no problem in your life that is too big for Jesus to solve. Now, I want you to look with me in verse number 2. It says, And a huge crowd was following Jesus because they saw the signs that he was performing on the sick. In other words, he's healing people. And so Jesus went up a mountain. He sat down there with his disciples. Now, the Passover, a Jewish festival, was near. Therefore, when Jesus looked up and noticed a huge crowd coming toward him, he asked Philip, where will we buy bread so these people can eat? And he asked this to test him for he himself knew what he was going to do. And Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread wouldn't be enough for each of them to have a little. Now, just to let you know, 200 denarii, that was eight months' salary. So to feed all these people, it was going to take a lot of money. So they had, they had a huge obstacle here. So here's the very first point. There is no problem that's going to be too big For Jesus to satisfy and to solve. You know, whenever we go to Israel, my my favorite place to go is it's northern Israel, it's the the north part where the Sea of Galilee is located. I love that area. Now, just to let you know, the Sea of Galilee, you know, when I think it's called the Sea, I think it's going to be huge. Lake Murray is bigger than the Sea of Galilee. So it's just, it's actually kind of like a small lake, it's surrounded. By some hills around it So it's a really pretty setting Now this is one of the pictures that we have when we were there So, Looking out of our hotel window And so that's the Sea of Galilee Uh, But the next one is a picture that's interesting to me This is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee And and right there, you see that that grass field It's not the greatest picture because I took it uh, But that little grass field there They believe that is where the text we're reading today That's where it happened now, y'all, you know, this, uh, this is not in my notes, so this is extra, so this is going to be free. Uh, it's kind of interesting. The reason why they think it was there is because it's a big open field, and it's a natural amphitheater. Now, there were, it says that there were 5,000 men and then plus women and children. The big question they'd always had was, how in the world could Jesus speak where everybody would be able to hear him? Well, if you go down, they'd have a fence there now, but when we first started going to Israel, that fence wasn't there. And I could go all the way down to the field, and you could stand up at the top, and I could talk. You know, Like this And you could hear me Because it was a natural amphitheater And so they believe this is the area Where Jesus performed the feeding of the five thousand That, that, that has really just, To me that's just really cool I just really like that So I just want you to kind of have that picture in mind As we talk about this passage of scripture So there's a huge This is a big field And so there's all these people And they're following Jesus Why are they following him? Well they heard about the miracles he was performing So you know that kind of got their attention uh, they, they knew that Jesus, I mean, he was somebody special, he was an incredible teacher. But they were a people who, who knew that Jesus could could heal. And so they, they just had a lot of, they had a lot of things in their lives. They had a, a void in their life, and they wanted somebody to follow who could fill it. And so we're told that this crowd, that, that they're actually following, they're trying to find Jesus. Remember, he's trying to get away to mourn his cousin and, and they basically walk around the lakes, a long journey, and they finally catch up to Jesus here. And so if they catch up to Jesus, and then Jesus, he has a he has a big and wants a big problem on his hands. It says there are five thousand men that have come to hear Jesus. Whenever you include women and children, most scholars will tell you it would it would have been between twenty and twenty-five thousand people. That had followed Jesus, and there's a reason why, because they were looking for Jesus to fill them up. They were looking for Jesus to satisfy their desires. Now, after walking around the lake, it started getting late. And you know, they didn't have like a local McDonald's around. So the people were getting hungry. Y'all, you know, that was a major obstacle. And so Jesus asked his disciple Philip, he asked him. Where are we going to get food enough to feed these people? And what did Philip do? Well, Philip does what we all do. He just looked to himself. He kind of pulls up. I'm sure if he had a wallet, he'd pull out, Lord, we don't have enough money to take care of all these people. It's a huge problem. I mean, an eight-month salary would only give these people just a little bit to eat. Now did Jesus ask Philip the question, where are we going to get food to feed these people? Because Jesus was caught off guard and he was like, man, I don't know what we're going to do. Philip, help me. Well, we we know that's not why Jesus asked the question. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. As a matter of fact, if you look in verse number 6, it lets us know that Jesus asked this question to test the faith of Philip. To see, hey, Philip, who are you going to trust in? As you face this big problem in your life, 25,000 people. Are you going to look to yourself to solve this problem or are you going to look to me? Guys, I I believe this. I believe there are going to be times when God is going to allow challenges and obstacles to come into your life to test you. To see where are you going to place your faith and your confidence and trust. Are you going to place it in yourself? Are you going to look in your own wallet and go, Hey, you know what? My budget says we can't do this. Or are we going to look to God in order to bring us through? You know, there's a lot of times we're going to face problems that are too big for us to handle. I mean, Philip had a big problem. 25,000 people. You think Philip could handle a hungry crowd of 20, 25,000 people? No way. And if you end up taking God out of the equation, let me tell you something. You are not going To solve any problems. Matter of fact, you're going to take God out of the equation. You're going to miss out on seeing the power and the blessings of God. You know, years ago, it was actually in the 19th century, there was a a guy that was traveling out west. And as he was going west, he came to the Mississippi River. It's the biggest river we've got. And he came to the river, it was wintertime, and it was iced over. And it was getting late, it was cold. And for him to get to the shelter where he was staying, he had to cross the river. Or otherwise, he's going to be really cold spending the night in the, in the open elements by himself. And he made a decision. I, I don't know if this, if this ice is going to hold me up, but i got to get across. And so to be safe, what he did, he got on his hands and knees, and he begins to sort of just shimmy across the ice, just hoping that if I distribute my weight evenly, then the ice won't crash through and I might be able to make it to the other side. So he's kind of getting across the river very slowly. When he's halfway across he hears singing behind him. And he turns around as he's on his hands and knees, and there's a guy on a horse flying across that ice on the river, and he rides right past him. And he's sitting there on his hands and knees thinking, yeah, I think this ice is going to hold me up. Now, I think that's the way a lot of us end up dealing with God. You know, we come to the bank, we have an obstacle in front of us, and we're like, Lord, I don't know if you're going to be able to hold me up or not, but in order to help you out, God, I don't want all the pressure to be on you. I'm going to try to handle this by myself. We start inching across the obstacles that we have in life. And guys, let me tell you something. When we do that, when we operate in our own power, we miss out on seeing the power of God. We miss out on seeing how God can bring strength and satisfaction in your life. Now, you might say, well, how how can you know God will be there? Because he tells us he will. How do I know that he's big enough for the obstacles I have in my life? My obstacles are pretty big. Y'all know Philippians 4.13? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I look into our scripture and say, I see Jesus can satisfy. He can bring satisfaction into your life. where at the end of your life, you're going to be able to step back and say, mission accomplished. And why are you going to be able to say that? Well, because there's no problem too big for God to solve. But here's the other thing that I see. Another reason Jesus can satisfy is because there is no person. I love this one. There is no person too small to use. There's no person too small for God to use. Now, I want you to look with me in verses 8 and 9 says, one of his disciples, Andrew, Peter, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? The same story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in Mark 6.38, Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So Jesus recognizes the problem. People are hungry. So he tells his disciples, hey, go out. And start seeing what you can gather up. See what kind of food you can bring back to me. So they go out, and we're told that Andrew, he comes back, he's got a little boy with him, and we're told that, that he, he brought the boy back, and the boy had five barley loaves of bread and two fish. Okay, now just to let you know, this was the meal of a poor person. Uh, barley bread is like the cheapest bread that you could have. Uh, whenever it says two fish, you know what kind of fish they were? You yeah, know, not to me, I think mahi-mahi, you know, salmon. Y'all, it was, not, it was not big fish. The Sea of Galilee, the fish are in the Sea of Galilee, one of the most, and they still fish for them today, one of the predominant fish in the Sea of Galilee, sardines. Small fish. Now, I know there's some of you weird people that love sardines and crackers, right? Okay, so that's when we talk about five loaves of bread and two fish. We're talking about five pieces of bread and two really small fish. Now, isn't that interesting? That's what they brought back. As a matter of fact, it's like Andrew brings back the boy and says, this is what we found, Lord, five pieces of bread and two sardines. I mean, like, what can you do with that? But is that, that, did, did Jesus look at this and go, my goodness, is that all you brought me? You know, our situation here is hopeless, and some of you might feel that way. You, you might say, man, I feel, like, I feel like that kid. I got five, five loaves of bread and two really tiny fish, and God wants, you, know, you Tell me God can do something with me? God can't use somebody like me. God, God can't work in a person like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, my life is so minute and small, and I'm a person who has faced so many troubles and trials, and i failed. God can't use me. If you feel that way, boy, this ought to be really encouraging to you. Because Jesus took a little boy and he took a tiny little meal and he used it in order to, to, to perform a huge miracle. Now, the boy gave everything, Right? I, you don't see the boy. I mean, I think some of us would be like, hey, before you take this, hey, can I give me, at least give me one of them fish and a little cracker snack, right? Because, uh, you know, you're taking, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to have anything to eat. That's not what the boy did. The boy gave it all to Jesus. Let me tell you something when you give all of yourself to Jesus, it's then that God's going to do something. And I promise you, this boy, because he gave it, I didn't mean that he was going to starve. As a matter of fact, you're going to see you cannot. Did you know you cannot outgive God? When you give all of yourself to God, God's not going to leave you on the short end of the stick. As a matter of fact, Jesus said in Luke 6:38, "Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured back to you." Man, you guys, don't insult God by saying, you know, I don't think God can use me. Man, are you kidding? God can use whatever and whoever he wants. You know, it, it is a specialty of God to take an ordinary person, a messed up and bruised and broken person, and do extraordinary things. You see it all through Scripture. God doesn't just look for the, the well-put-together person. He takes the ordinary and does the extraordinary. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1:26 and 27 says, Brother, brothers, consider your calling. I love this. Says, not many of you are wise from a human perspective. Not many powerful, not many of a noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Now I, I don't know what desires that you have in your life, but I want you to know that when you give God all that you have, He'll bless it. It always does. Back in 1994, there was a, a plane, a plane trip from New York City to Orlando. And there was a woman that was on the plane that was seven months pregnant. Um, as as luck would have it, in the middle of the flight, she goes into labor. And so they began, and, and the baby's coming, and so they've called. And said, Are there anybody, is there anybody here who can help us? And it's any medical background. There happened to be that day two paramedics on board. Um, and they ran up front, and they were able to deliver the baby. But the problem was when the baby was born, it had an umbilical cord wrapped around its neck. Couldn't breathe. His face was blue. And so one of the paramedics, he began to call out. He says, anybody have a little straw that I can use? And there's a lady who just happened to have her kid with her on the flight. She had one of those little juicy boxes. And so she pulled the juicy box out and pulled the straw off and handed it to him. He did CPR on the baby with that little straw. And then the, the other paramedic said, we've got to tie off this umbilical cord. Does anybody have anything I can use to tie off this umbilical cord? And some guy just began to undo his shoelaces, and he tossed him his shoelace. They tied it off. Four minutes later, the baby was able to breathe on his own. So as you imagine, all the, everybody on the plane, they begin to cheer, and they're clapping. They're excited. The baby lives. But it was just interesting. You, know, you look at that. You say the paramedics are the most important people on that plane. But man, let me tell you something. Nothing, nothing good would have happened had, had there not been some people that were willing to give what they had. Because they did The life was saved Now when we give All that we are and all that we have God Will use it To bring satisfaction and joy See and I, I look in our scripture and, and here's what I understand As I look in this scripture we all, we all desire to live a life Where we can say Mission accomplished My life matters How I live, what I do It is important for the kingdom of God And that happens because when you follow Jesus He will satisfy your desires Because there is no problem too big for Him to solve There is no person too small for Him to use And this is the last thing There is no hunger That will ever be too deep For Jesus to satisfy And that's what I get whenever I look in verse number number 10 It says Then Jesus said, so he gets a small meal, and then Jesus tells the people, he says, have the people sit down. And there was plenty of grass in that place, so they sat down, and the men numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also with the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they were full, he told his disciples, collect the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they collected them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces from the five barley loaves that were left over by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this really is the prophet who was to come into the world. That's an incredible few verses right here. The people were hungry. They're starving. They're they're hungry. They're starving. They've been walking all day. They're tired. They're worn out. And here's what's really a huge obstacle here. But Jesus was completely confident that he could satisfy him. Hey, what do you got? I got five little pieces of bread, two sardines. Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now, how crazy is that? Now, why is he have them sit Because he's getting ready to feed them. Five pieces of bread, two fish. Have the people sit down. And we're told that Jesus gave thanks, he blessed it, and then he began to distribute the food. Now, here's my favorite verse in this whole story. It's verse number 11. In verse eleven, it says, "Then Jesus took the loaves, and after giving thanks, he distributed to, the, to them to those who were seated. So also with the fish. Here's the key one: as much as they wanted. Isn't that cool? Jesus, Jesus did not give people just a little bite to eat. Say, hey, we're all here, you know, but I don't have much here. Just take a little pinch. He didn't do that. What did Jesus do? He gave enough." For the people so that everyone was able to eat and we're told that they ate until they were full. Isn't that good? They ate until, the, and not only that, there's 12 baskets that were filled over as leftovers. Did you, did you know Jesus does the same thing today? Do you know, G, Jesus is not looking to touch your life so that you can just barely squeak by and go, man, I survived and now it's time to die. Now, I'm not talking about finances here. I'm talking about about Jesus bringing satisfaction and fulfillment and meaning and purpose into your life. He will not touch you in a way where you say, that was a miserable life, but I just got through it. It's not how God wants us to live. He wants us to live with abundance, joy, knowing that we matter. Remember remember what Jesus said in John 10.10? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, some of you have it, you have a deep spiritual hunger. You might not even know it. You want to be filled. You want to know that you count. You know, well, you want to know that whenever you live, that you can impact people's lives to where they can discover that there is a God who loves them. But but too many of us are settling for what the world offers to eat. And and it can fill us up here and there, but man, in the end, we're not nourished. We're starving. We're just looking for something that matters. You know, when I was a kid, y'all know I grew up in a preacher's home, and we had a missionary that came and spoke in our church. I can't remember where he's from. I just know he's from some country in Africa. And he talked about there's a certain plant that you can eat there that, he says, it's edible, and when you eat it, it will fill you up, make you feel full. So there's zero nutritional value in it. He says, so it's possible to eat every day and be filled, fill-fed, fill-full, and yet you can still starve to death. That's the world. The world will offer you so many different things that will fill you, make you feel like you're full, but you're not nourished. You know, we go after these things in life. We go after, you know, I, I want to be known. I want to make. I want to make money. I want. I want to be recognized. We have all these different things. I want to feel good, and we will lay everything that we've got on getting that kind of stuff. And let me tell you something. It will fill you up a little bit here and there, but you're going to be malnourished. You're never going to be completely. Full. See, Jesus, what he does is he offers substance to your life. He offers something that is real and that will nourish your soul. He will satisfy your desires. He will fulfill you. you know, Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It is only in Jesus where you will be filled. It is only in Jesus where you will find satisfaction. It is only in Jesus where we as individual Christians and together as a church will make a difference and fulfill our mission. Now, how can that be? How can we actually fulfill a mission for Jesus? You know, in the grand scheme of things, y'all, in the grand scheme of things, we are in Blythewood, South Carolina, we are in Northeast Columbia. Do we really matter? Remember this story. Remember what you discover here. There is no problem too big for God to solve. There is no person that is too small for him to use. And there is no hunger that is too deep for him to satisfy. You want to be satisfied? Do you want to feel satisfaction in your life where he's like, I matter. I make a difference, and not because of who I am, but because of who God is me. And I long for that. And I long for you and for our church to understand that whenever we give ourselves to God, that he will do greater things than we can ever and even imagine. Now, for us as a church, we have a calling. We have a mission. It is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. Next month, we're going to be going through our C4 series. So we talk about how to fulfill that mission. But before that mission begins, you first of all have to belong to Jesus. And so here's how I'd like to close. I'd just like for us to bow our heads and to close our eyes. And if you are looking to be filled in your life, to know that you count that your life matters, the best thing you can do is surrender yourself to the God who can take whatever you give him and multiply it. If you'd like to give yourself to Jesus today, that's just between you and the Lord. I mean, you can talk to him where you're seated, and you can just simply pray pray this prayer or something like, just say, Lord, I, 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 man, I am a sinner, and I confess my sins to you. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, who died for me and rose from the grave. Save me. I will follow you. pray that prayer of commitment. We want you we want you to grow in your knowledge of Christ and in your commitment to him. And you can take your bulletin out, and you can fill out that contact form that's in there. Check that line says I commit my life to Christ, put your name on, you tear it out. We have some boxes at the back by the doors and you just simply drop your your uh, little slip of paper in that box so we can get you just some basic information in the mail about growing in a walk with Jesus. Cuz let me tell you something, when you give yourself to Jesus, will satisfy. Heavenly Father, we are grateful, Lord, that there is no person that is too small for you to use. Jesus, I thank you that there is no problem that is too big for you to solve. God, I thank you that there is no hunger that is so deep that you can't satisfy everything that we need Lord may we follow you and trust you and I pray that as we sing this closing song Lord that we will understand the depth of your love for us and I pray this in Christ's name